it's actually good news for the real estate market and stability that one of these iBuyers is now starting to expand again. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome back to our State of the Market. Today is December 9th. There is lots of real estate news that I've gone through and handpicked that I'm going to review and talk to you guys about today. You know, a lot of things going on with the election and Biden and how we think that's going to affect real estate, different technology and startups that are out there again. I mean, that was a lot of the news a year ago. And then for the past nine months, it's been COVID, COVID, COVID. Well, now we can actually start looking again at different software that's getting released, different pivots, and also several articles that say 2020 was a record year in real estate, which again, most of you guys have heard that and most of you know, although it hasn't felt like a record year for everyone. So I'm going to share my screen. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you're going to see some of the articles. And if you're not, no problem. I'm going to talk them through and it'll go. And this will be just a quick, easy episode to get caught up on your news. So here we go. First article says President-elect Biden chooses Rep. Marsha Fudge to lead HUD. So Fudge, whose district includes parts of Cleveland and Akron, Ohio, lobbied to become the secretary of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, according to Politico. It says President-elect Joe Biden is reportedly choosing Congresswoman Marsha Fudge to lead the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. So she's from Cleveland. She currently serves on, the ha on a House committee, the House Committee on Agriculture and House Committee on Education and Labor. Serves on the House Committee on Civil Rights and Human Services, and she received reports from other Ohio senators. So she's a talented lawyer, successful mayor. So she'll be tasked with implementing key aspects of his campaign promises for affordable housing. So that's something I talked about a few weeks ago of what to look for as they've promised that they're going to invest into affordable housing, which includes an investment of $640 billion in housing over the next 10 years. So the as far as trying to figure out where that might go or how that might work, I think that is what we're going to see next. But her being from Ohio, I could see a lot of that going heavy into the cities, up into the Northeast. But also, uh, when they do these funding programs, a lot of it is spread out throughout the U.S. So if you want to do some extra research, I would try to see what they had been doing in Ohio over the last couple of years with affordable housing. And that probably gives us a little bit of a hint of what could be to come. So that was an Inman article, just came out today. Our next article says, The Biden Bump, How Real Estate May Benefit from a Biden Presidency and How It May Not. So this is from ABC News, came out today. It says, Following the 2020 presidential election, there's been a noticeable uptick of real estate ac activity in New York City and other big cities. So all you guys know that, the, that in New York, in San Francisco, from what we've been talking about, the market has not been improving there, right? That's where vacancies have gone down, prices have gone down. It's been going great almost everywhere else that isn't in the big cities. So according to data, data from Sirhan, since September or since November, the number of new deals in Manhattan increased 6% from the same period last year. That is the first promising sign of renewed confidence in the city. There are other factors that brokers and agents are thinking about when considering the impact of Joe Biden's presidency on the U.S. real estate market. After a difficult few months, those working in real estate are anxious to see how he's going to handle tax policy and federal funding. Whether or not you support the last administration, it was not a beacon of stability for just about anything, is what this agent says. That there was a revolving door of secretaries and appointees and nothing was stable. 
There was a tax bill that was floated halfway through the presidency and didn't go anywhere. So they're saying such sentiments now help spell the end of the fear trade, helps buyers feel more secure. So that whole part of the article was saying with Biden now, there was a lot of unknowns. There was a lot of, you know, it was going one way one month, one month another. They believe that with Biden getting elected, part of why the real estate market is bouncing out in New York and some of those other places is it's going to feel more stable. It says how Biden could help both buyers and renters. So he, Biden is likely to remove the salt cap limitations on itemized deduction for home mortgage interest and state and local taxes. So when President Trump was elected, he had a cap on what you could deduct as far as mortgage interest or property taxes. That affected people, especially in places like California. So people in California had to end up paying more taxes under President Trump because there was a tax on, on not being able to deduct your, your state income tax, your mortgage interest, your state property tax. And so the that was enacted under President Trump. That's going to be rolled back. And the and that'll especially affect big cities throughout the US. So that's an interesting thing. Also, again, affordable housing. And his plan Biden said they'll offer $100 billion to the affordable housing fund to expand low-income housing. These funds will be directed toward communities that are suffering from an affordable crisis and are willing to implement new zoning laws to encourage more affordable housing. Did you see that key? He said, we're going to give them to places that are willing to implement new zoning laws. So to encourage more affordable housing. So that could mean more properties on the same lot. That could mean allowing smaller properties, or that could be allowing smaller lots in different areas. So the, it, it says the only problem with this is it's cost prohibitive in big cities due to land prices, construction prices, and property maintenance. You would not be able to ch- fix zoning laws to create affordable housing. And so it's saying, so what, what that part of the plan is saying is that the affordable housing will not be in the big cities like New York. It's going to help in the outskirts where there is vacant land and maybe they don't have that growth yet. So they still have the potential to change some of those voting laws or some of those, those zoning laws. So lots of good art. So this article is huge. I could talk about that the whole time, but that's a good one from ABC news talking about the, you know, the, again, the Biden bump, what helps and what doesn't in the real estate market. So go check that one out. Next article, this one was from housing wire. It says knock launches new sale leaseback solution. I think we've talked about this a couple of times before, but Real estate technology company Knock has announced a, a launch of, of Knock Nest, a standalone sale leaseback solution that allows homeowner to access the cash they built up in their home while continuing to live in it. So they can request a no obligation cash offer for their home and then they can rent it afterward. Knock will purchase the home and rent it back to the former owners while living in the home. They pay rent and, you know, it goes into all the different things. Now, this isn't too new, right? There is, I mean, American Homes for Rent. They did a little bit of this when it started. And there was another group, the, I think it was called Waypoint out of you know, the Bay Area back in 2009, 2010. That was their whole business model. They would buy houses in foreclosure and they would rent them back to the people that they foreclosed on. The, and there's actually, I have a really crazy story in this just, just this week. So, you know, seven years ago, we bought a house from a lady in a short sale. We rented it back to her and we rented it back for, to her with the plan that someday she was going to be able to buy it back from us. So seven years later, this year, it just closed yesterday. We actually had, had a house so that she was able to now get approved on a loan and buy it back from us. It was a total miracle and exciting thing that happened out there. So again, she was struggling. She couldn't make her payments anymore. We bought it from her in a short sale. We rented it to her for less than what her mortgage was. And we did that for seven years. At the end of the day, now she bought it back at market rate. We ended up, for years, we weren't making any money on the rents because the rents was actually lower than, than the carry cost, the way that it was set up. And now that she bought it back at market rate, 
It's been a good long-term investment for us, but even cooler, she got to stay in her home that was hers and now she owns it again. So Knock is trying that solution too. And Waypoint did it a long time ago. And there'll be a lot of more versions of that, I think, coming up. Next, it says, Inman article says, OfferPad expands full suite of services to Denver and Nashville. So announced Wednesday, Denver and Nashville launches for the first new markets for the company since it went to, to Alabama. So the real estate technology and services firm OfferPad is bringing its full stable real estate solutions to Denver and Nashville markets in 2021. The first two new markets since they expanded to Birmingham, Alabama in early 2020. So OfferPad out there, so they provide quick competitive cash offers. So they expanded right before COVID hit. When COVID hit, all of those kind of instant cash offer, iBuyer you know, co companies, they all shut down right away because the market was so impossible. It was just impossible to predict what was going to be happening out there. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui with a quick commercial break from our sponsor, Rent Ready. And this one is all about maintenance. Did you know the number one reason that a tenant leaves a rental is lack of response around maintenance? With Rent Ready's brand new 24-7 maintenance service plans, you can have your maintenance managed for you. It also includes emergency services. Rent Ready, the property management app, recently added more support for landlords. Not only can you get hands-off maintenance coordination to troubleshoot your tenant's repairs for you, but you can also streamline your rental property cash flow with increased rental retention rates. With Rent Ready, you can sleep in on the weekends knowing your repairs are handled from start to finish. In addition to making maintenance, you can manage everything else easier too, like collecting rent, listing units, screening tenants, and signing leases, all from the phone in your hand. Get luxury style maintenance services for your tenants and free weekends for yourself when you sign up for Rent Ready. You know, I, I want to add a couple things in here too. You know, I had interviewed Ryan Brone, the founder of Rent Ready, in episode 939. So if you want to hear more about Rent Ready and what they've done, go check out that episode with Ryan. And when it comes to maintenance, you guys have heard me say, I have a ton of rental properties. And one of the things I did after owning those for about a year was start to outsource the nighttime calls. There's nothing worse than getting a call at 10 or 11 at night saying my air conditioner's not working, my heater's not working. And I used to have to go to like 10 different companies to do that. One for my rents, one for my property management, one for the repairs. And it looks like Rent Ready is doing all of that in one package. So for this month only, you can still try Rent Ready for one year and only for $1 when you use our special code ROCKSTAR. Use code ROCKSTAR and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. Use the code ROCKSTAR and you can get Rent Ready for a whole year for just a buck. So it's really, it's actually good news for the real estate market and stability that one of these iBuyers is now starting to expand again. So next is an article from Housing Wire, came out December 7th that says, Fannie Mae reports housing market confidence drop, the first drop in three months. Following three months of increases, Fannie Mae's Home Purchase Sentiment Index, a composite index designed to track the housing market and consumer confidence to sell or buy a home, fell 1.7 points in November. So it fell. It's not a huge percentage, but it's, it's the first time in a few months that people are actually less excited about buying or selling. He says he points to consumer wariness around COVID-19 as the reason for the sudden decline in the housing market. And we have seen that the last couple of weeks when it comes to COVID and statistics, it's not great news out there in places. You know, places are reshutting down. People stayed home for Thanksgiving instead of seeing family. People are deciding to not go hang out with their family on Christmas 
because of what's going on. So it is not a surprise that that would impact consumers' excitement for buying or selling. Purchase confidence has recovered more for homeowners than for renters, in part because homeowners have been le less likely than renters to have had their jobs and finances impacted by the pandemic. That's another thing that we talked about a few months ago was that K-shaped recovery. So, you know, people in finance jobs, very low unemployment, those are the guys that are, that are owning houses. You know, people with good, stable jobs are owning houses. People that are in the service industry tend to be the ones that rent houses. And so the, it says the people that are struggling the most are also the renters out there. So it's been an interesting K-shaped recovery. You know, it's, it's, and it's kind of expanded that gap too, because there's really low interest rates right now for people to refinance. But the people that are able to do that are the people that are doing great and they're still employed and everything looks great. The people that are struggling are not able to refinance and take advantage of those lower rates. Next article from Inman says, Ivanka and Jared Kushner buy $30 million lot on billionaires bunker. Miami's elite private Indian Creek Island is heavily guarded and has been home to celebrities, including singer Julio Iglesias and model Adriana Lima. So as they prepare for life after the White House, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner bought a $31.8 million lot of land on Miami's elite private island, Indian Creek Island, or billionaire's bunker, as it's known. So the it, it, that's pretty crazy. A private island that's heavily secure, $31 million for a piece of land. Now, it's a beautiful lot. It's not giant, though. I mean, the house next door takes up the whole lot. It is right on the water. It seems like they are probably obviously doing that for the security. It's a guarded, gated community just northwest of Miami, 41 luxury residents on 300-acre island, as well as 24-7 armed marine patrols in the island surrounding the waters around the island. So the, it also includes an 18-hole golf course, all sorts of different stuff. Really cool property. You know, good for them. That is a very big, big change, a big, big purchase. And I didn't even know that uh, property like that existed out in Miami. So as you see the picture of this, you see like these open lots on a golf course, all this green right next to busy Miami where there's, I'm sure there's other giant houses. The left side of this picture shows all these houses on the water that look tiny compared to the giant houses out in uh, on, on this new island. But I, I think that those houses that look tiny are also big houses. Just shows you how big they really are where you have a $30 million lot. So interesting stuff out there. You know, when you go to Bloomberg, there's a lot of articles on Bloomberg this week. You know, Prashant Gopal is one of the big real estate journalists out there. And everything about his, who I said at the beginning, is just the real estate market's booming. This million-dollar home buying soars with the U.S. rich going on a shopping bench. It also says Toll Brothers homes orders soar and rally for luxury sale. Toll Brothers is a production home builder that sells high-end production communities. So they, they still build mass production, but they build really big, high-end luxury houses. And it says the mortgage industry roars to record year, cursed to the Fed. So all the articles that I, that I could find this week from, from Bloomberg were very bullish on how strong the real estate market has been in the U.S. None of that's really a surprise, except for it is interesting to see it. Million dollar home buying soars with the rich on, on shopping spree was his highlight. But wealthy people are buying bigger houses. More people are buying million dollar plus houses than ever before. So the next article, Inman, the little technology article is Appfolio to pay $4.25 million in settlement to the Federal Trade Commission. I didn't even know there was a lawsuit on this. The government agency alleged that the company failed to properly verify the accuracy of tenant criminal and eviction history before including such information in the reports. That's really interesting. Appfolio, Cal uh, California-based property management and screening company agreed to pay $4.25 million. The FTC filed a complaint earlier this year claiming the company violated the Fair Credit Reporting Act by failing to ensure that the third-party tenant information it included was fully accurate. 
Eviction and non-conviction criminal records older than seven years may have also been included, which would have been a violation of the act. So that's pretty wild. So people are you know, doing credit checks and screen checks through Appfolio. And it's saying maybe Appfolio, somebody had a felony eight years ago. They aren't allowed to have that come through on the, on the application, on the background check, but they were still providing that to landlords the, or something like that. Or, you know, somebody having, you know, just a non missed payments or something else that says they weren't really verifying that they were fully accurate. So that, that was some tenants were, must be getting declined for stuff that came up on their past record that was inaccurate. So the next we've got California mansion could smash records as priciest auction sale. So we've seen, uh, we were just talking about in the, how the high and strong the top of the market is after two years on the market, a $165 million mansion is set to hit the auction block and could break records as the most expensive auction sale to date. The known as the Villa Ferenz in Beverly Hills sits 28,000 square feet across nine acres. I should have had Paul Morris on here to talk. You guys have heard me talk to Paul. You know, he's an agent out in Beverly Hills, runs a huge KW office out there, and he's been the, the co-host several times on here. He would be able to tell me all sorts of stuff about that. Maybe I'll get him on next week. The house listed at $165 million in 2018, but took it to con concierge auctions after being unable to find a buyer. The auction will take place later this month. Mansion was built in 1998 after nine years of construction. Crazy to think about $165 million mansion doing, taking that to auction. Definitely going to be the priciest auction sale ever. Not the priciest home sale ever, but the priciest time where they did a, hey, the, the highest bid gets it as in an open sale. All right, last couple of articles on here. Housing Wire says forbearant rate holds, but exits are slowing. I wanted to share this because it showed, again, the difference of the recoveries in what's happening. So they say 5.54% of, of U.S. households are in forbearance right now. Hey, that's, that seems like a lower number than we were hearing before because we heard such a higher number. We're in some form of default. So I think that means default plus forbearance. So 5.54% have, have worked out a deal with their lender where they don't have to pay their mortgage payments right now, but they're not in default. They're not getting foreclosed on. They're going to get a chance to fix that. It says Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans and forbearance gained for the first time in 25 weeks. However, they fell once again last week. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac is only 3.34% of loans, a two basis point improvement. The GSC's forbearance rate overall has improved immensely, now down more than 50% 50, 50 since its peak since May. So it's saying that there are a certain, there are 3.34% of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans in forbearance. Those are higher, like, you know, if you're getting a jumbo loan, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be one of those, right? Those are higher end properties. Not as many of those in forbearance anymore. The highest they had in forbearance was back in May, and now it's fallen since then. So the people, the really high end of the market, forbearance coming down. Ginnie Mae loans, on the other hand, which includes loans backed by the FHA, offset last week's decline by rising six basis points to 7.89%. So far, FHA's active forbearance volume have seen just half of the GSE's level of improvement. So it's saying 7.89% of the FHA type loans are the ones in forbearance. So there's definitely more FHA, Ginnie Mae loans that are people are behind not making their payments than in the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. So the, it said portfolio loans and private label security as well as depository servicers also experienced basis point gains, 8.7 and 5.48 respectively. The percentage of loans in forbearance for independent mortgage banks is now at 6%. So a lot of properties in forbearance right now. There are more FHA loans in forbearance than anything else. Not too surprising when we talk about our idea of two recoveries and the, you know, the million dollar you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans, the, those are recovering and coming out of forbearance quicker 
because a lot of those businesses have recovered by now. Last article I want to put on here, uh, which is really interesting. It says, Mr. Cooper settles a $90 million lawsuit over illegal foreclosures. So the article just came out. They just settled this lawsuit. They're going to have to pay $90 million and a civil penalty of more than $6.5 million to settle a lawsuit that's saying they violated the rights of 115,000 customers. Some of them they illegally foreclosed on. So the, they go through and they, you know, it's telling the, they give the people a foreclosure notice and then they do something wrong in that process and they end up foreclosing on them anyway is one of the things that happened. When uh, it says, Mr. Cooper, then known as Nation, Nation Star, bought thousands of mortgages through bulk purchases. It failed to identify the loans with existing modifications. So like they bought a bunch of loans from somebody and they didn't look at the modifications. They filed foreclosures on people and uh, it had all sorts of things that damaged their finance and their credit reported bad payments, things like that. So that lawsuit, they're just now settling. But again, it says $90 million. The interesting thing was this, they're alleging that it happened between 2012 and 2016. They're saying back between 2012 and 2016, that's when that happened. The reason I thought this article was interesting is two years ago, we bought a house in the courthouse steps. The, and the owner, the previous owner, we, we bought the house. We got the deed to it. The previous owner's lender was Mr. Cooper. They sued Nation Star and Mr. Cooper. And just six months ago, they were given the property back. So they found that it was an illegal foreclosure. We're still waiting to get our money back from it. But I actually personally, I was on the other end of this and saw what, as, as an investor, the downside of when a lender does the wrong thing and you know forecloses when they aren't supposed to. So really interesting way to figure that out. When I saw that come out, I could not believe it since we are in a similar case right now. So, hey guys, I hope you liked that show. That was a quick 30 minutes to go through the news of the week, the state of the market news of the week. Lots of good stuff in there. You know, how will Biden affect your real estate deals? There's some homework to go in and check out who that new HUD secretary is. We're gonna do some of that homework for you as well. And again, the tale of the two recoveries continuing to go out there, but really strong numbers at the end of the year. You know, big high-end houses selling, consumer confidence going down just a little bit, but confidence in New York City and some places like that coming back up. That was even what, you know, when I interviewed Ryan Barone in, in episode 939, he talked about he was excited about New York. He had a lot of faith in New York. He believed it was going to come and bounce back. And that article itself said, hey, there was a big bounce this month. So interesting news. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And that is the end of today's State of the Market. Thanks for joining me. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I wanna make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help 
agents succeed in real estate, how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. And if you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.